So hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Catch Program podcast. My name is Olivia Duffy. I'm the program coordinator for the Catch Program. Uh, Catch stands for Community Action to Combat HIV and Hepatitis C. For those who do not know our program, if this is your first time listening, hello. Uh, like I mentioned before, we are the Catch Program Community Action to Combat HIV Hepatitis C. What we do is we go in through the boroughs of Manhattan, uh, the Bronx, and Brooklyn to do HIV testing and hep C testing, as well as any informational group sessions um, that are confidential or, you know, in big groups. Um, we talk about a lot of topics in which you have probably noticed. Uh, they range from HIV and down to other infectious diseases, such as COVID, uh, tuberculosis. We talked about UTIs last week. Uh, and we also talk about mental health, tobacco cessation, um, and other other uh, topics that really just go on and on at this point. Today, I am here with the lovely Charmelle Hughes. She is our lead prevention navigator for a PNS program, which is Prevention and Navigation Services, which is a part of the catch department here at Argus Community. Um, so I'm very excited to have her on today. Um, we, like I mentioned before, after the whole long laundry list of topics that we talk about, um, we, our first and foremost, you know, we talk about HIV a lot. Uh, that is something that we test for. Um, it is definitely something that's still very well needed of HIV awareness, uh, especially in um, New York City. Um, and one of the topics and demographics that really don't have uh, that much education or, you know, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle is really the group of, with adolescents, you know, um, to children through the ages of 10 to 19, um, which is why I have the lovely Charmel Hughes here today to talk about it with me. So um, Charmel, what, how do you feel about the, the topic of adolescents living with HIV? Um, hi, everyone. Good afternoon. I'm Charmel, as Olivia said. Um, how I feel about, uh, I guess, adolescents living with HIV. Um, I feel like adolescents living with HIV um, is something that's very frustrating and that and something that needs a lot of support from parents. Because as an adolescent, ages 10 to 19, um, you really, you're young dealing with the virus. Um, you are sometimes very shamed. So a lot of times, you know, you want to hide things from your family, from your friends, mostly you, you don't want anyone to know. So again, you know, it's, it's a challenging, it, the virus is already challenging. So to be young with it, um, sometimes you, you know, you question your parents, it, as opposed to like, how you, how did you even contract this virus? Um, and a lot of times, you know, Olivia, and we all know um, you get it from birth, you know, so right there, you have no control over it. So you're just born with it. So I think it's very challenging and it takes a lot of support um, from maybe peer groups and especially, especially parents 
is very challenging because, you know, you're adolescent and you depend on your parents. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it's such a, a, a small group of people. Like when we always talk about young individuals well, living with HIV, everyone automatically goes to a different uh, age group. They think of 20 to 29 because, you know, that is a very big age group that does, um, you know, that has a, a higher rate of ha- uh, testing for testing positive for HIV, but everyone always forgets about, you know, the adolescents or, you know, children too, because even though it is a smaller uh, percentage, it's still very much prevalent. Like you said, a lot of them have been living with HIV since birth. And a lot of them, you know, have gotten it from breastfeeding. A lot of them, um, you know, have gotten it just passed through childbirth itself. Um, And also some of them were just uneducated about sex and didn't know, and they were having, you know, they were, you know, having sex at such a young age that they were, you know, testing positive for HIV, did not know how it was transmitted. So it is a very, um, I don't want to say like delicate (laughs) demographic, but it is one that often gets uh, overlooked. Um, One of the things that you mentioned, especially with adolescents, is that majority of them are living at home. They're living with families. They're living with parents. Uh, It's definitely... uh, I understand why they feel a bit of uh, why they can't talk to their parents about it because there's so much uh, misinformation and uh, the education just on HIV isn't where it's supposed to be. Um, And I like how you mentioned, you know, with parents too, like how, because at that stage, like your parents are the ones who also have to cope with it, right? Yes. And learn about it and, you know, take you to treatments. Like how can you know, how can parents like understand uh, what the adolescents are going through? Like what if they're living with HIV? Well, I also, I think that communication with their adolescent is very, very important. Um, Asking questions. And and I know, you know, from even me being an adolescent at one time, you don't like to talk to your parents at all, you know? So sometimes, you know, even counseling, I, I think support groups would be helpful for both to join. I mean, I, um, I know being an adolescent, you have to get your parents permission for, you know, a lot of these support groups. But I think putting um, him or her in a support group, speaking with a doctor, you know, a buddy plan, because sometimes when you have someone in your age bracket, you know, that's struggling with the sickness, that can be helpful as well. Right. Um, But parents, you know, it's a struggle. So they may need um, help alongside of, you know, outside of speaking with their child. They may need to speak with someone because they don't know how to cope with the mood swings. You know, teenagers and adolescents, they already, you know, sometimes shy away from adults and kind of want to do their own thing. Right. You know, so as a parent, you know, that can be frustrating because you don't know if they're taking their meds. You don't know, you know, what they're doing on a day to day basis. You mm-hmm. you know, you don't know what's going on with them. Right. With him or her. No. So you, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there was. um a few years back, I, I, when I was a health educator, I ended up 
testing a family. Uh, it was a group of four um, and two boys. They were both in high school. Uh, one was in high school. One just graduated. Um, the during therapy, the younger son admitted that the older brother was uh, exposed uh, to HIV because a, a girl he slept with the week before they had uh, sex with no condom. Uh, she tested positive. So um, they found out in therapy, the four of them together, the parents did not know he was sexually active. So they, you know, came trudging down to us uh, to get tested. And it was an interesting experience about, especially for them, like, um, you know, they had no idea anything about it. He, the older brother had no idea how it was, how it was transmitted. Um, for, uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't hear from them. That was a couple of years ago. Um, but at the time he, they, the family was okay. And but the thing is like, it's all about communication. And I understand, um, you don't want to tell your parents you're having sex at that age. Uh, you know, just with the whole stigmatizing, uh, just the whole stigma around sex and sex education. Uh, some parents are, uh, some children are afraid of their parents and they don't know what's going to happen if they do know, uh, that they are having sex. So it really does put a bit of a, um, a barrier between the parent and the child. If they do test positive for an STI or, you know, if they, um, test, uh, positive for HIV, and it's, it's, it is difficult. And you're right. Like parents also need to cope too. They need to uh, talk to people about it. Um, you know, also have the same support because they are supporting the, their child. So I always think. Yeah. That's- yeah. Um, and, and I also, I also think, you know, sometimes, and not even sometimes I know when adolescents go to the doctor's office, right. you know, they're able to discuss things with the parent outside of the room. Right. You know, like the the parents, you know, the doctors um, are advising the parents to leave. So you can't even sit in on a discussion with your child and a doctor. It's right. it's a formality. And, you know, it's um, I, I don't I don't know if it's a HIPAA law, but I know that there's privacy that the right. parent has, you know, the parent has to sit outside and the child does get the privacy. So right there, you know, that's already um, parent having to adjust to wanting to know, oh my God, you know, what what were they talking about? Right. Did, um, did he or she tell the doctor something that I don't know? Right. And, you know, and, and a lot of times it's true that they right. discuss things that they're afraid of or just maybe not even afraid. They just don't feel comfortable sharing, right. you know, with their parents. And, you know, you as a parent, you have to cope with it. So you have to find a cope, you know, something that makes you relate. Right. You, know, yeah. you have to, you have to, as a parent, no boundaries, but you also in a situation like that, you have to be relatable. Right. You have to try to make, him or her feel it's okay to come to me you know we can get through this together you know um are you maybe with the regimens maybe a fun way to take the regimen right you know maybe um putting it in something you know fun you know especially for a younger child I would say you know the teens I would say 
it's a, you know, they might not want a fun dinosaur cup. Right. You know, they're like, mom, okay, I don't want that. Yeah, they're like, but, All right, you know, stop. someone younger, you might want to find them, you might want to find a way to give them their medicine or make sure they're taking it. You know, we don't know if they have to take it in the morning. And, you know, and, and again, which regimen are they on, you know? So it's, it's really, it's a struggle for both. Right. It is. And it is, you know, like, I think what it comes down to, especially when we always talk about it, is like communication, especially with your, uh, your child too, um, uh, making sure to communicate with them that you are with them. Like you will go to these appointments with them. You will be there to help schedule them taking their medication. Um, you're right. It is a bit of a struggle, but there's so many options for them if they do need support. Cause I know you mentioned like support groups for parents, but you know, there are peer support groups, especially for adolescents. Um, I actually talked about this recently about, uh, the high rates of HIV in New York city and how we talked about how a lot of people relate more to people who are very similar to them. You know, if they're in the same age group or if they, you know, come from a similar background, a lot more people are going to, um, confide in them. And that's why it's really important for these peer, uh, support groups, I believe. And like, there's so many so many of them. And like, uh, it's also a good way to know that you're not alone in the situation. Um, I know a lot of other ones, uh, have a few people older. Some people do like that, like sibling dynamic too, that might help. Um, and there's all other like treatment buddy programs, as well as, you know, any type of social worker or clinician that you could confide in as well. If you are, if that's, how you can cope with it because some people aren't very comfortable talking to their clinicians. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, um, especially with, uh, that dynamic, but some people are, uh, so that they could definitely provide some guidance, but, um, it's definitely something that, you know, both the parent and the child can be struggling with, which is why it's really important to know the peer support, uh, for adolescents. Yeah, because, um, I, I know, um, I forgot where I read it at. Um, there was, um, there was a situation, I don't know if it was a work study group. I don't know, but, um, briefly the situation was where, um, the girl was like 17 or 18 years old. Um, and she just completely shut down, was not taking her medicine didn't want to talk to her parents, uh, didn't even want to go to school. Uh, She felt shamed. And even though no one knew, you know, her status um, as a teenager, you know, that's something that you, you, you want to try to hide. Right. You know, so um, I think the medicine wasn't, she started the medicine, but it wasn't making her feel her like herself. Mm. Um, so, you know, that was a time where she had to communicate with her doctor. Um, she shut down from the doctor. She shut down from the mom, didn't want to go to appointments, um, didn't want to take the medicine whatsoever. So I think finally, um, they put her in counseling and, you know, they, she, I think she, um, got into one of the buddy programs and know that she wasn't alone, that there were plenty teenagers like herself that were going through it and that they looked great. They felt great. And no one, um, 
couldn't tell unless you shared it with them. So that was her, like her biggest concern. Would someone know that I'm taking these pills? Would someone right. find them in school, in my book bag? You know, right. um, would for some reason someone see her coming out of um, a doctor's office? You know, but the way a lot of the places now are set up, you don't know what someone is going in for. It's not like it's, you know, it says uh, HIV adolescent clinic on the front door. Right. It just be a regular doctor. So that's great as well. Yeah. But yeah, you- it, it took a lot of um, communication, you know, and a lot of times it was just not a good home. The home site was not great because everyone, you know, was on HL, you know, Right. You shut down with your parents. You're not talking. You're not eating. You don't want to, you don't, you're not the same social teenager that you was since you've been diagnosed. So right. that that's really hard, you know? It is hard. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of it is the miseducation of HIV and the stigma of it too. Like you don't know what's going to happen. You, a lot of people think of, you know, the AIDS epidemic, especially with the eighties and nineties and um, how scary that is for them when you do test positive, especially at a young age, but like, um, it, it is, it goes with a lot of the education on HIV, like what it is and, you know, where you can get support. And that is frustrating, especially when you think about it. like, even when you mentioned about the meds in the bag, yeah. Like, w- well, what are people going to see when they see these drugs? They might look it up and be like, Oh, what is, why is she taking these, the, these meds? Like, that's weird. Does she have like, um, she must be diagnosed with something people are, that's true that that is something people get nervous about or you know leaving a doctor's office and they don't know um but like i mentioned it's a lot of it's with the stigma so like how is let's talk about this because a lot of people don't actually know how it's transmitted how is hiv transmitted well hiv is transmitted through intravenous drug use mm-hmm. it can be transmitted um mm-hmm. through sex and um, through mother to child uh, birth right. and uh, breastfeeding. Right. So that's definitely something that needs to be said a bit more because like you said before, people have it since birth. It is not, you know, um, it, it's fairly easily can be transmitted. That's why we do uh, talk about condoms and we do talk about, you know, um, HIV positive mothers, they tend to, uh, if they continuously, uh, stay on their treatment, um, if they, uh, reach U equals U status, which is undetectable equals untransmittable, uh, it'll be easier for them not to transmit it to their child, uh, or even breastfeeding too. There's a lot of other ways that they could do a lot of prevention, but sometimes, you know, like I said, with a lot of miseducation, um, these things do happen. So with that, you know, if you are someone who's HIV positive at such a young age, like it is very important to take your meds, but again, it could be difficult. Like you mentioned before with people thinking that you're gonna, that they're going to find out. Um, so you skip doses, you try to hide your status, uh, which unfortunately, um, does more harm than good, especially if you keep missing your doses. Um, with that, like I mentioned before, U equals you, uh, if you could stay consistent on your medication, your viral load count, uh, goes low and it gets to an undetectable status. But if you're, especially in adolescence, uh, if you're skipping your doses, it's going to stay, stay the same. It's not going to go lower. Um, 
I didn't know this, but I, uh, maybe it's because it's been a while, but I had, I didn't know HIV treatment can affect adolescent growth. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I didn't know that either. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know if it, if it did or didn't. It's just in my notes that it might've affected, especially when I looked at, um, when they talk about, uh, hormone treatment, uh, that it doesn't have an effect on it, especially with birth control as well. Um, which is good to know, or it could just be the miseducation of it that people think it's going to affect adolescent growth, which I have not seen, but I just read something that, um, that's could be, uh, <laughs> it could be one of the things that could potentially off put people on the medication. Um, but from here it is the same. I do believe there some children are on the same medication, as adults can be on. Yes. Um, but so I guess that's what makes people think that it could affect their adolescent growth. Um, but as of right now, from what I know, I didn't know that. So that's why I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, but yeah, so that's also a thing. I do not know that. I will probably look into that, but from right now, I don't believe it affects your adolescent growth. Um, and uh, also with medication, sometimes it doesn't come in liquid form that it's harder for children mm-hmm. to swallow. Yes. To swallow pills. Um, yeah. So, you know, but a lot of times you can, you know, you let your doctor, you let your physician know that, you know, Hey, um, he or she, um, is not doing well on this because maybe there's another regimen, Mm-hmm. that he or she can take um you know i don't i don't know if i mean i like you said you can take um a medicine that adults take yeah um as well so you know sometimes and and it might even only be one um one dose a day it might not even be you know maybe you can take it when you come home from school Right. You know, maybe that it's not something that has to be taken morning, noon and night, mm-hmm. you know, because then that's helpful as well, because then you don't have to bring anything to school. You know, and if you're not like, you know, if you don't like the way you feel or you, you, you're you not feeling like yourself, maybe, you know, you're home then. So you can kind of monitor it, you know, a little bit more than in in your regular school day. Right. And that's that's important too, to have a set time. Like I think, you know, after school, that's a good idea, but what if you come home late? Sometimes if you're like, come home in that two hour period that could affect it too. I am a firm believer in putting your medication by your toothpaste, because what are you going to do when you wake up every morning? You're going to brush your teeth, right? Right. So you know, to take it. Yeah. So you it's know, to right take there. It. Yeah. So I, that's what I, I like to do. But again, a lot of people don't do that. Some people put it by their coffee because they have to have a cup of coffee every morning, but for kids, it's a bit different. Do you put it by their school bag? Cause they go to school every day. Um, you know, you really have to find a set schedule. Like you said, after school, if they, if they come home at a set time every single day, definitely like before they have dinner or before they go to bed, those are some things to really look into to make sure, um, uh, the, medication like you know it's just goes as easily as possible um 
but like you said, there is a bit of concern for that. Um, definitely talk to your doctor. Like, I think that's something, if you do have a concern with the medication, uh, definitely do your research with accredible sources that we mentioned before, accredible sources, not going down the dark webs of Reddit to find out about your HIV medication, but, you know, definitely talk to, uh, sources from, you know, medical doctors, infectious disease, uh, physicians, um, that definitely, you know, know much more about the treatment. Um, these are definitely uh, questions you should ask about, you know, is your, should your child be taking the adult medication? Um, these are all these questions and not just, uh, assuming that your child's going to have a diff, uh, you know, an effect on it because it's a, an adult medication. Um, but yeah, I thought that was something interesting to say, but, um, really with adolescents and especially now with where we have come, uh, in, you know, HIV education and research is that adolescents will live a very healthy and long life with uh, living with HIV. If they are sticking with their treatment, you know, every day, which, you know, people are like, Oh my God, I have to take a pill every day for the rest of my life. Um, that's okay. Cause a lot of people end up taking pills for the rest of their life as well. You know, there's still a lot of other, um, treatments and other concerns, especially with, you know, any type of cardiac, uh, disease or, you know, uh, any type of neurological, uh, disorder. They, some people do take medication and that's okay. It, it shouldn't be very shameful and very stigmatized because sometimes we do need, we do need, uh, to treat ourselves. Um, and you're going to live a long and healthy life. There's a lot of, you know, that's something I should state again, because a lot of people don't understand that. Um, but you know, with support systems and, you know, like I said, the treatment and following the daily, um, routines, you know, it could help, you know, help overcome these challenges for, uh, especially these, uh, I want to say children, but adolescence is a very much better word to yeah. use. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And, and also, and also um, the point that you made that um, they can, the adolescents can live a long, healthy life. I think that needs to be also said multiple times really? from the parent to the, when they go see their physician, you know, because they need to hear that to feel more comfortable. You know, it's not like it was years ago, like it's a death sentence. Right. It's not. Like you can look great, you can feel great, you know, you can have a normal life, you can attend all your normal activities yeah. along with all your peers, you know, that's why the buddy system is great too, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, you have a buddy that's, you know, going through the same thing, you know, you can kind of see that you're both are doing great. Right. You know, and, and it just boosts up your confidence. And that's so important. Right. You know, in adolescence and everyone, period. But adolescents, they need the reassurance. They Absolutely. Do. They do. Mm -hmm. and I think also with buddies, too, it is nice to have someone who is a bit older because they did go through what you went through. And, mm -hmm. they're older, and you know, you could see how they're living with it. And that's also another uh, sense of hope for them. And, you know, it is good reassurance. Like you will be okay. I think that's like one of the things that people don't stress. You're going to be okay. Um, you're going to have a support system, you know, we'll, you'll be put on treatment. Um, 
and you will live a long and healthy life, especially if you stay on it. Uh, and the regimen, yeah, um, and that the regimen is so so important, right. like that. You know, along with living your daily life, you have to take your regimen, right? And just being aware, um, really informing yourself on it, uh, on it, on HIV and other uh, STIs as well, definitely will immensely benefit you, uh, especially for your peers around you who may, uh, down the line, you may be someone's peer, you know, you may be the one that's going to help them as well. And that's like very important, uh, to realize that, uh, especially if you have gone through something, you've had a peer, you may be someone else's peer. It's Mm -hmm. important to be very aware of, um, you know, HIV and living with HIV. Um, and you know how important it is to know your status, even if it is at a young age. Um, you know, our programs, especially our department is very big on like knowing your status and getting HIV tested. It is important to know your status because I know a lot of people don't want to know, but if you do test positive, then you can, okay, we're going to put you on treatment. You're going to know, and you're going to be okay. If you keep waiting, it's going to just slightly get worse and worse every time. So it's so important to know your status and to get tested. Like I said, with our programs, uh, uh, we, all do HIV testing. We also do hep C testing. Um, and we are still doing take home HIV tests. So if you are interested in that, we will send you, um, one of our health educators will call you, we will fill out a demographic sheet, and then we will send you a free HIV test, uh, which you will take on your own. It's just a swab. So it's not very difficult. And then you can know in the next 20 minutes or so what your status is. Um, very simple, but again, if you are interested in knowing your status or you want to come to us, uh, we are available. All of our contact information is in the podcast, as well as our social media platforms. We have, uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook. You could also find us, you know, through an email, just send us to the Argus catch at gmail.com. Um, and you can contact us there. Uh, thank you so much, Charmel. Uh, for this lovely, lovely conversation. I'm so excited to have finally had you on the podcast. Um, And like I mentioned before, uh, thank you all uh, for listening. Uh, Again, thank you, Charmel. Thank you, Sean, our man behind the mic uh, for helping us with this podcast episode. And as always, uh, he's amazing. So thank you guys so much for listening. And then we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me.